Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Better Living a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today's show is all about the United Way Dallas. I have two representatives here in studio to discuss what this group does and who it serves. We will start off with an overview of the organization. Susan Hoff is their Chief Strategy, Impact, and Operating Officer. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thanks for having me today. Well, thank you very much for joining me. I went to a meeting a month or two ago over Mm -hmm. at the United Way, and I'd never been before. Great facility, wonderful place, but it got me to thinking, I need to know more about what the United Way does, who you guys are. You hear about this organization a lot, but Mm -hmm. I would venture to guess that a lot of people don't necessarily know exactly what you guys do, what you offer. Mm -hmm. So what is the United Way? Great. Well, first, thanks for coming to a meeting at our place. Um, We love to know that community members have been out to see our location. Um, Just a kind of a little bit of historical background, United Way in Dallas has been around since 1924. So, you know, we're headed toward 100 years in the community. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, so a long time. And originally, the organization is something that a lot of people might have known of as, as the community chest, which for some people, you know, that's the little card in the Monopoly game, the community <laughs> yeah. chest. Um, but it was the community chest model was created back in the um, 20s and 30s. And it was a way for businesses to consolidate their giving. So, you know, they pooled funds and then gave that money that they collected at their workplace to a set group of nonprofit organizations who were strong organizations within the community. It was kind of where, if you've ever heard the term I gave at the office, really kind of originated with the United Way model and that community chest model. So that's the origin. Okay. And for about the first um, 85 years, which is, you know, just just not that long ago, we operated a pretty similar model, which, again, was primarily um, raising funds through workplace campaigns. So going out to large corporations, small corporations, and running an annual campaign where employees could give either a direct donation immediately or a lot of times a payroll donation so that they give year-round, and then talk to them about where the money goes. And, and, in, and for a number of years, the money was distributed amongst about 90 great nonprofit organizations that had been around, some of them since before 1920. Um, and a few years ago, about about eight years ago, we changed the model a bit in that we still operated with the workplace campaigns as our primary funding source, but we opened the grants process. So for a number of years, there were 90 United Way agencies, and that was it. And if you were one, if you were a United Way agency and you got funding that way, that was great. Um, but you, there was really very, very difficult or pretty much impossible to have that door open for any other organizations. Well, we know there's a broad land, landscape of organizations across our region that do great work in the community. Mm-hmm. And so we opened our grants process and we focus our um, investments, whether they're grants or volunteer efforts or um, public policy work in three key areas. It's education, financial stability, and health. And we set 10-year goals. We have, we're working toward 2020, so community goals and our goal in 
education is to ensure that at least 60% of students across our region, which for us is Dallas, Collin, Rockwall, and Southern Denton County, so pretty big footprint, but at least 60% of students are graduating from high school ready to succeed in college and career. And just to kind of give you a little benchmark there, um, right now, less than 40% of students are graduating at the college and career ready. Um, In the area of financial stability, or what we call income, our goal is to move 250,000 people across the region up and out of poverty permanently. Um, We know in Dallas that we have a really vibrant economy. We have one of the strongest, fastest growing economies, but we also have a a um, pretty high poverty rate, particularly child poverty rate. We actually, unfortunately, in the city of Dallas, we have the highest child poverty rate of any city over a million. It's not really the kind of thing that we want to be number one in. And so we have a strong focus in the area of financial capacity building, um, helping families um earn a living wage, get the skills they need to get jobs that lead to living wages and to career paths. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then the area of health, um, our focus is is basically to increase health across the, across the region. We have um, some primary ways that we focus on that. One is to increase access to medical care. A lot of people don't know that... Um, Our region, just for instance, the emergency room, about almost more than 80 percent of the visits to emergency rooms in the Dallas area are preventable. So if you think about that, what that means is people are overusing the emergency for primary care or they're waiting to go to the hospital until something that could have been prevented um, is no longer something that's treatable with a regular doctor. And what that means is that a lot of people, particularly children, don't have a regular source of medical care. So that's expensive both for families. It also wreaks havoc on people's health. So that's one thing is, is increasing access to, hair, uh, to health care. We have a strong focus also on increasing access to mental health care. Um, we have a lot of disparity in um, folks that may not have a lot of resources for health care, um, not being able to access mental health care. And you can see um, the, in funding the news for every day. Mental health care in Texas is not good. The funding for mental health care in Texas is really poor, and there's not parity. If you, if you, when you look at insurance, for instance, coverage, um, uh, oftentimes you can get coverage for um, physical health care, but sometimes not for mental health care. And it's a huge challenge, even if there is funding or coverage that people have, just the number of treatment facilities or beds, you know, and in, in just for instance, in the southern sector of Dallas, there are no mental health facilities. And so the primary provider of mental health services for a lot of Dallas County is the county jail and sometimes the emergency room. So people who really just need mental health resources are ending up in jail or an emergency room for it. And it's kind of a constant revolving door, which really doesn't treat a problem. And, and a lot of times it gets worse. I was going to say it exacerbates. It exacerbates because they're not getting the care they need or the regular treatment that they need. And, and it's pronounced for lots of folks, it, it particularly for low-income families, um, for teenagers. We have very, very limited mental health care for kids and, and youth. And so it's, it's, a, it's a big challenge um, nationally, bigger challenge in Texas and a big challenge in Dallas, too. Um, we also have a focus in the area of health on um, preventing childhood obesity in particular. We know that that's a rising epidemic across our country. In fact, more than a third of the kids that are growing up in North, Tex- in North Texas are obese or overweight. 
And so the long-term implications of that um, in terms of health outcomes is is really huge. Probably more of a new endeavor for the organization. It is, you know, and and it's also a fairly new issue. I mean, new in within the last ten to fifteen yeah. years. Um, you know, when a lot of us were growing up, um, overweight and obesity. Was I mean certainly we knew people who were overweight, but it was not the norm. It's kind of shifted that 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 tends to be the norm now, particularly for kids. And so the long term implications are are huge. I mean it, it impacts joints, it impacts heart, it impacts cardiovascular, diabetes. diabetes, on and on. In fact, a lot of the research is telling us this: if we don't turn the tide on the childhood obesity crisis, this is probably going to be the first generation that will not have a lifespan longer than their parents. So it's a big, big deal. So that's a big focus of ours as well. All right. So you have basically the three pillars. Yep. So we would say education, health, and income. Are we calling mm-hmm. it income? Because income, you guys do a lot yeah. more than... Yeah, I mean, income, financial stability or financial capacity stability, building. Um, yeah. Which is one of the things that interested me, and, and I do want to talk about that a lot mm-hmm. more. But going back to, to the basics of what the United Way does, it seems to be that you guys are maybe a charitable guide for other organizations that want to to be in that sector. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe a good way to kind of describe it? I think that's it? part of what we do. You know, I think um, uh, certainly we invest in some of the best organizations that have programs that really can help attack those issues and, mm-hmm. and make progress toward um really reducing some of some of those risk factors and some of those problems across the region. But um, we also have some focus on, on helping develop and create programs ourselves. For instance, we talked a bit about the um, childhood obesity crisis. We worked with the Cooper Institute, um, which some people know is um, Ken Cooper, the father of aerobics, uh, to create a program called Healthy Zone Schools, which we have a more hands-on approach to, and we are in over 140 campuses across the region, helping build better health and uh, nutrition and physical activity for kids. Um, so in you those guys schools. took this on as a project yeah. of your own. It right. was that important to the yeah. organization. Yeah, when we see a gap in the community or a really increasing need, just as that, then we also will step in and create programs with community partners as well. So that's uh, kind of the barometer. You're, you know, you're working with all these organizations, right. but because you're working with them, you're going to see where the gaps are or that maybe just need additional help. Exactly. You know, sometimes they just may need additional help, just like you said, so we can bring in resources, perhaps some capacity building for organizations. And the other thing that we have done that's fairly new for our United Way and really new in the United Way system is to create a social innovation fund. So we have done quite a bit of investing in social entrepreneurs. Mm. And those are, you know, people a lot of times will think of United Way. Well, you fund organizations that are have been around a long time or have a very strong, steady track record, um, which is true. That's that's the bulk of our portfolio. But at the same time, we don't want to close the door on those the next new idea or the social entrepreneur who really can come up with the idea that's really going to change something. So we created what we call our ground floor um, social innovation fund. It's an accelerator fund. We um, take business business plan and fast pitch pitch competition and a group of investors determines which one which organizations or which entrepreneurs we want to invest both seed capital as well as mentorship in to grow those businesses. Are these nonprofit organizations or are these businesses? They're both. We have both nonprofits and some for profits too. So we're kind of agnostic in terms of tax status. What yeah. we really want to look for is high 
impact potential. You're looking to help the community, and whether exactly. it's charity or not, what's yeah, going to help? A, yeah, what, yeah, your tax status doesn't really translate into whether or not you do good. That's what I like about this organization. Uh, as I was reading on your website, unitedwaydallas.org, as I was saying, it seemed to the website seemed to put a premium on the idea of making more money. It was this idea of bringing in income, mm-hmm. putting yourself in a position to make more income, and then using those positive benefits. It to me, you don't see a lot of charitable organizations where they kind of put a they put an emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. It, it might be other things. For the United Way, it really does seem to be what is going to impact the community. A great way to do that is going to be getting you a better job, right. getting you better income, and putting you into a better position. You got more money, you can mm-hmm. get better food. Better food results in better health, yeah. and it kind of pyramids up. Mm-hmm. Is that a good way to kind of look at? It how is you a guys good way operate? to characterize it. You know, I would say. Um, Definitely, we know that issues are connected. So a strong educational foundation starting very early and, you know, preparing all the way through an education career gets kids ready for a good job. Um, But you're exactly right. Having a good job that has a career path that leads to economic self-sufficiency, then you become a contributing member of our society. You're part of the economic engine. And you also have the opportunity to give back and be engaged in in the work that all of us care so much about. For decades, you worked with 90 organizations. Mm-hmm. And would you say eight, 10 years ago? Yeah, about eight, 10 years eight, ago, 10 we years opened ago, the grants process. You opened it up. Mm-hmm. Now, for these original 90 organizations, mm-hmm. are they still part of the United Way, or is everybody kind of thrown in the mix? And It's a competitive grants process once every three years. So we open the grants process, and you know we kind of start over again at, at um, zero-based funding there. Okay. But many of the organizations that were with us for a number of years are still competing well and receiving funding through the grants process. How many organizations would you say are a part of the United Way now? Because you had that original 90, mm-hmm. but every three years it changes now. So is the number lower, higher? Right now we're funding about a uh, around 130 organizations, and we have about an 180 programs through the grants process. So organizations could get funded. They could get multiple grants. Is that a good number for you guys, or do you Would you want it to be higher? It's a good number. It's, you know, um, the amount of money that we have while we are, you know, blessed with resources from corporate campaigns and other um, funding streams, it's still a finite um, amount of money. So the more we stretch it out, the, you know, the fewer, the smaller the grants are. So there is that kind of balance of how uh, how many versus the quality and the impact of grants we and make. And that's what you guys are really working on. You're working mm-hmm. on quality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we want to fund programs um, that are going to make a lasting difference in our community um, that really are going to change the trajectory. We want North Texas to be a great place for everybody to live and work and raise a family. Is that why you, you set a benchmark on three years for these projects? Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why it's specifically three? Yeah, Well, three years is a good amount of time. You know, one year is really hard because somebody gets some funding and, you know, they've hardly started the program yeah, and they got to turn around and write sure. a grant again. Three years gives you amount of time um, organizationally, one, to get up and running with a project and um, to have some good evaluation results, but also to pivot. A lot of times what happens when you fund um, a nonprofit organization or a program for a short period of time, they um, if they only have a year's worth of funding, they're very unlikely to take any risks or think they might make a mistake because they're afraid they won't get the funding again. A- an extended period of time really 
does give you the opportunity to try some things out. And if it doesn't work, to back up and figure out what would work. And that's one of the kinds of things that we really want to encourage our organizations to do. Susan Hoff is the Chief Strategy Impact Operating Officer for United Way Dallas. You're looking at these groups every three years. What does the United Way look for in groups that they want to be a part of the United mm-hmm. Way? Well, when we're looking for um, organizations to fund or programs to fund, one, the, the first metric is that they, they align with our strategic goals. So um, do they work in the areas of education, financial stability, or health? And we also fund in the basic needs area, so kind of safety net services like emergency assistance or, mm-hmm. or food assistance. But for the most part, predominantly our money is our, our resources are going to the three pillar areas. So that's a primary metric. Um, to get funding in our big grant cycle, the three-year grant cycle, we do have some pretty stringent um, financial stewardship requirements. So these are organizations that have an audit and have done um, success, you know, have success in their financial management. Um, We also look for organizations that have a pretty strong track record. So they've got some outcomes um, that they can show us before we would fund, make an initial investment in our our big grants process. So those are the kind of things we look for. Is there a number of years that an organization typically runs before you guys decide to help them? You know, there's not a number of years. Um, generally, it takes an organization a little bit of time to be up and running and have the kind of financial capacity or stewardship um, that we would make an investment in, which is part of the kind of uh, reason that we started the ground floor, the social entrepreneurship and, and um, part of our measure of success of that that program, that investment stream is are some of those social entrepreneurs who start out in that program now getting funding in our three-year grants process, which the answer is yes, several of them have made made that transition. So it transition. serves as kind of a feeder program to Yeah, it's a, it's a pipeline. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you're you're working on only three pillars, education, yeah. health, only. <laughs> and financial stability. Yeah. Uh, when, you're, when you're pulling in groups to, to work with you guys, mm-hmm. are you trying to spread that evenly across the three, or does it just kind of work out sometimes where you've got a lot more people working in the health sector mm-hmm. uh, this, this time around? The way say. we determine how... Um, to divide out the grant funding is is we um, do a needs assessment of the community. We work with the University of Texas at at Dallas, the Institute for Urban Policy Research. And they look at um, what are the gaps in the community, what are the need, and help uh, help us estimate, okay, if we were to completely meet this goal, how much would it cost? And so then that helps us determine how, how much money we allocate to each of the three areas. Again, we don't have enough money to meet the entire need. In fact, I think that would cost something like $300 billion. I, be, I was going to say, like, I, yeah, just seeing that number to, is yeah. probably kind of funny. It's, where it's yeah, it's, 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 in, it's a billion with a B, more, yeah. multiple billions. Sure. But that helps us know how much we, we need to allocate to each area. And you have to think, too, you know, some areas that we, in all the areas that we invest in, certainly we're not the only funder in those areas. Um, there are other foundations, other donors. Um, and there are also public funds, too, that are committed to each of those three areas. So that's some, what we take into account, too, is, is when we determine how to make the funding allocations. Where are we at in this three-year process currently? Are we approaching We're a new one? Are we in the middle? We're just starting the second year of this three-year process. So okay. the grants process will open up again um, a year from now for funding that would start in 2019. Wow. Okay. So since you kind of adjust each time and figure out Mm -hmm. what needs to take 
uh, take the lead, let's say, mm-hmm. what what is the main priority out of the three that the United Way is working towards right now? Oh, you know, that's a, that's there. There's some some key ones. One is most on uh, mo, most definitely financial stability. So mm-hmm. I'll give you, for instance, while as I said, we've got a really vibrant economy and um, at least on paper, very low unemployment rate. We have lots of people across the region who are underemployed or who've been unemployed so long that that they don't show up in the records anymore. So, for instance, there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand people across our North Texas region that are employed and employed full-time, but they still live below the poverty level. That's a big challenge. So there are people that are working, but they're not being able to get ahead. So that's one of our key focus areas. So let's talk about that one real quick. Is the key to helping those people, is it continued education? Is it trying to find them another job in the field that just pays better? Mm -hmm. What? How do you fix that one? For that specific issue, there are a couple of things. One is um, getting them matched with skills or certifications for jobs that exist that pay better. And and so we've got an interesting mismatch in in Dallas and in Texas, really, where there are a lot of what are called middle skills jobs. So those are jobs that require more than a, a high school diploma, but not a degree. So they may, decri- may require a certification or a credential, mm. but they're good paying jobs and they're, and they're a huge gap, like 40,000 of those jobs go open. Tech field, right? Tech field, health services yeah, field. Those okay. are two areas in which there's a, a, a big need in our area. And then you have, again, a lot of the workforce who is underemployed or doesn't don't quite have the skills that they need to get those those types of jobs and so a lot of the work that we focus on is partnering with training organizations and companies to help get folks this, to skill up so that they will qualify for those jobs. Do people even realize that they have that opportunity? I think a lot of people, it might be lost on them. Yeah, I think that many people don't realize it. You've you got to think about it. If you are working full-time and sometimes two or three jobs, you're still not making enough to pay your bills. You may have you know, a family to take care of. Trying to think beyond just trying to get by is is sometimes out of your reach. And so being able to um, get ourselves connected to places where folks are reaching out for help and get them the resources they need. And again, it's not a handout. It is a hand up and helping people get the skills they need so that they they can be economically self-sufficient. That um, really seems to be the, the central issue that really makes you guys stand out. Mm-hmm. This the stuff that you guys do, it's not it's not a lot mm-hmm. of handout stuff. No. It's really trying to put people into if you're going to put in the work, if you're willing mm-hmm. to do it, we're going to put you in a position to mm-hmm. make sure that that happens and your life gets a lot better and, and of course those those around you. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, it's an investment in our population. Uh, you know, I think we want to be sure that we never imply that that people can uh, that everybody ought to be able to just pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Um, I doubt if there are very many of of us, including myself, who did everything all by myself. We all, if we step back and think about it, had something or someone who helped us along the way. A lot of times it's it's within our own family or a network that we had. But there are folks who are isolated that don't have um, somebody out there who can say, hey, you know what? 
let me let me give you a hand up. Let me give you a connection. Let me give help you get on the path so that you you can do that for the next person or you can be that person in your family who's making the difference for your next generation. That's that's the role. You're exactly right that we play. Does the United Way then consider itself a charitable organization? Because it. it you guys, it doesn't sound like you guys operate in the in the traditional mm-hmm. sense of a charitable organization. It seems to be doing something within that realm, but right. in a different way. Well, you know, technically, yes, we're a charitable organization because people can give money to us, and you know, we are a charity. Um, I don't like the word charity because it really sounds as if you're waiting for someone to give you something so you can exist. I like to think of us as an opportunity organization. And, you know, you hear all kinds of gaps. We talk about achievement gaps. We talk about employment gaps. I think the biggest gap we have in our community is an opportunity gap. And for us um, in the United Way, I think we play the role of being the bridge over that opportunity gap. What are we looking at in terms of making sure that that gap gets closed? Mm-hmm. Is it about just opportunity? Is it about making sure that kids have better access to education so they don't ever get into mm-hmm. this point? Where do you work that? Because you, you're working both sides of that mm-hmm. fence. You're trying to educate right. people, both kids and adults. Mm-hmm. And you're also trying to make sure that, you know, people are more financially stable. That affects kids and adults. Mm-hmm. Where Where is that balance? Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about kids and adults, it has to be both and. Because, you you know, and it's almost a it is a dual generation investment uh, because it's critically important that young kids one, get to school ready to succeed. So before they even walk in that kindergarten door, they need the resources so they're going to be ready when they get to school and the support along the way. At the same time, their parents need the resources so that they can be supportive of the family, so they can support their kids in their education, um, and so that they can be the role models their kids need and and provide the, the services they need or the support they need. And I don't, it's if you do just one or the other, it's important, but you really need to do both to make a lasting impact, and, and that's where we focus. Are there any volunteer opportunities? Well, let's say if a volunteer mm-hmm. wants to be a part of the United Way or if a business wants sure. to be a part of the United Way or a charity would like to maybe be a part right. of it, what's the best way for people to get involved with United Way Dallas? Well, um, several. For businesses, for corporations, um, we have all kinds of volunteer engagement opportunities. So that sometimes is a, a first entry point to us. You know, it may be that you want to come out and work and read with kids, tutor, or be a mentor for somebody, a job coach for somebody who's learning new skills. And we've got lots and lots of volunteer opportunities, whether it's for individuals or corporations. Um, You know, we are always happy to help corporations set up workplace campaigns where they can um, both volunteer and raise funds for United Way to invest in, in, in some of this great work in our community. Um, And so, and as a a nonprofit organization to get involved, one, certainly, you know, applying through our grants process, but we also need partners who may or may not get funding from us, at least not right now, who want to work in similar areas. And so if they want to learn more about how they could be engaged in, you know, in dual generation, working both with adults and kids, um, we are always looking for nonprofit partners that we're all linking arms and kind of rowing in the same direction. Probably good for younger organizations, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, you know, and again, that's a great point with our um, social entrepreneur ground floor New organizations, you know, a little bit beyond a guy with an idea, but not much. Uh, you have an idea about social good. 
that's the place we want to see you. So our ground floor is is a great opportunity for somebody who wants to build a model for social good. Susan Hoff is the Chief Strategy, Impact, and Operating Officer for the United Way Dallas. Their website, unitedwaydallas.org. I'd really like to thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.